Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are super pumped to be with you this week. Jared is freaking out. I can see him in the camera over there. He's having an aneurysm. Let's go, baby. We got lots of stuff to talk about. Oh, my goodness. He's a panda now. Okay. Sorry. I'm going out of my mind. I don't know. Maybe I'm high on the fact that college basketball season is in full swing. Things have not been going great for BYU basketball and Big 12 play. We talk about that and what needs to happen for BYU to get back on track. Is the train derailing? Are we going to hit the wall? What's going to happen? We have to talk about a little bit of college football. Unfortunately, Michigan won the natty. We'll talk about that. Nick Saban retired. What does that mean for the sport of college football? And we talk about some fake football as well in the NFL. Before we get into the episode, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal2RoyalPod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content. And as you'll find out later in the episode, an opportunity to punish Jared and I for our cold, cold takes. Ooh. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's boo. Don't tag us. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go review that strike! Let's back this That's that's happened uh, since last time we were here. Uh, quite quite a bit, um, actually. That's happened. <laughs> um, where do you want to start? I I I'd say we just hop right into it. Let's actually start with the bad news. Everybody always likes to do the bad news first, right? And the good news second. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's do the bad news first. Uh, the national championship game. Unfortunately, it was kind of a dud. It was kind of a doo doo game. Washington just completely crapped the bed. They played like poo-poo. Yeah. It was, they played their worst game of the season. Uh, yeah, it was disgusting to watch. I don't even want to talk about the winning team. But yeah, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Washington didn't show up. They just did not show up. Phoenix was missing balls all over the place. You Some were saying that he had ED. Uh, penis couldn't get up for the big game, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. What are your thoughts? It was kind of gross, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. It must have been cold outside because um, Penis sure wasn't big in this moment. You know, it seemed like he kind of shrunk in, in in the lights. You know, like like it must have been cold outside. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I think it all started. We all knew it was just, you know, how how do I say this in a not bad in a not vulgar way? You know, you know, like dung beetles, right? You know, they, they push a ball of poop. I think we knew that this was a rolling ball of poop on that fourth down conversion where Michael Penix missed a wide open guy that would have changed the entire course of the game. Then Penix gets hurt. Their running back has hurt the entire game. And it's one of those things where, yeah, he wants to tough it out, but maybe he's not the most effective back on your roster, but you feel some sort of loyalty to him. So you have to let him play. And uh, it was, it was just total crap from, um 
Penix from Washington, that whole offense, really. The worst part about this game, though, is the whole time they're talking about J.J. McCarthy visualizing oh. himself, lifting the trophy, trophy, visualizing himself, bringing a championship home to Michigan. Didn't he only complete, like, 10 passes? Yeah, like, he was horrible. He was terrible. The whole terrible. game, he was missing wide open wide receivers. It was gosh awful. That running back that popped off out of nowhere – Carried the whole game. Like, what, what was that crazy stat? Washington hadn't allowed a single run of 35-plus yards the entire year, and the first two scores were 40-plus-yard touchdown runs. Yeah. Literally up the A-gaps. <laughs> yeah. No, it was – Nonsense. It was this guy. I'm totally with you about that fourth down, bro. That was – it was the game, right? Because if he hits him in stride like he had all season, it's a touchdown. They're within one score. Completely changes the complexion of the game. But ever since then, yeah, they – Phoenix was just so, so off. Michigan played terribly, too. Like, they didn't even really play that well. I mean, they had that one drive in the fourth quarter, but by then we already knew it was over, right? It was it, it was just like, oh, I guess Michigan's B-plus game beats Washington's C-minus game. Like, we didn't really mm-hmm. – I, I don't know. It, it was really underwhelming, especially for an Ohio State fan like myself. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> – it was gross. I did not watch any of the trophy ceremonies, so I have no comments on the Harbaugh's or whatever, all that other stuff that people were talking about. I just was sad because I felt like we were kind of gypped out of what could have been a really, really great national championship game. Just like neither team was firing, and it just so happened that Michigan got two lucky runs, and that was really the game. You know what the worst part about this game was? All of it? <laughs> the f- yeah, Yeah, I mean, but the fact that Michigan was dominating this whole game, right? No sane person watched this game thinking that Washington was the better team and that they just let it get away from them, right? Michigan was the better team. They played better. But Washington's touchdown at the end of the first half to cut it to one score, to give the illusion that the game was closer (laughs) than it was, Washington was going to come back, and then just a pair of field goals, one from each team in the third quarter. It's still a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. The game was never that close. Nah, it, it never created the close. illusion, right? So maybe, yeah, maybe you're looking at it on your phone, right? And you get the notification, Washington only trailing by seven at the start of the fourth quarter, you know? But, and then you watch the game and you're like, what? what is this? I don't know. It just wasn't fun. Um, the playoff games themselves were fun. Yes. That was awesome. I think at this point in time, the Pop-Tart Bowl announced it was going to be back for a second year. I think you have to make the Pop-Tart Bowl the national championship game just in case the championship game is a total dud. You still have a lot of fun shaboingery going on on the sideline. I actually totally agree. We need – what's the 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 pylon, Perry the pylon? The, mm-hmm. We need him, like, doing random stuff because the last couple of years we've just had some stinkers of games. We need him going around and slapping refs' butts and doing little dances and then getting cooked at the end and eating alive. <laughs> like that that's that's what we need in these championship the games. I totally agree. You know what we need? Perry the pot that, that perfect just gave me a perfect idea. You know how they have the pylon cam now on the end zone? Oh yeah. 
They should just put like a camera on his forehead and have him run around doing crazy antics. And you just get that dumb point of view video of him running all around, like running into people, pushing people, spanking refs or doing whatever the Pop-Tart was doing. Oh, but you have that point of view video. That That's what we need. That That is totally what we need. We need a little, uh, then they're like, all right, now it's time to go to the AT&T connection pylon cam. And then it's like him like throwing popcorn on a bunch of fans or something. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would totally make it. I would watch the whole game just to see Harry the pylon doing whatever antics he's doing. That's what that's what they do with Benny the Bull, right? The Bulls haven't been good ever since Michael right. Jordan left for the first time. So what do they do? They get freaking Benny the Bull to do nonsense and bring people to the game. Yep. And uh, that's I'm not going to go there because it's getting off topic a little bit, but that's kind of what the NBA needs in order to get viewers. But anyway, that's a completely different topic. Oh. <laughs> I, I thought you were going the BYU angle on Cosmo. And <laughs> I also Maybe. the same. <laughs> exactly what BYU does. <laughs> um, Yeah, one more thing, actually, before we get to the BYU, we do have to mention this. This is the good news of the college football part, right? Because college football is officially over. It is sad. It is very, very sad. We are distraught. It's another seven and a half months until we get football again. Um, we'll have lots of football content for you in the off season, but for right now it is over. Uh, but we do have some bittersweet news. I guess it's good news, right? Nick Saban has finally retired. I, Mm. there's been rumors the last couple of years, how Alabama has kind of been slipping, how Nick Saban is kind of just like soaking in the sights kind of deal. Like just kind of like, Oh, I love my team. I love doing this, blah, blah, blah. He finally announced his retirement. Um, Alabama students put like everything under the sun you could imagine at his, uh, statue outside the football stadium. It was hilarious. Um, all time quote is it started out with diet Coke and oatmeal cream pies. And somebody was like, Hey, Coke and cream pies is exactly how Rick Pitino went out. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> oh no, yeah. oh no. <laughs> But uh, yeah, anyway, I kind of want to get your thoughts because, I mean, Nick Saban has always been the villain to us these last 16 years, right? He's had 16 losses in 16 years or something. Like, the GOAT in my book, the greatest coach I've ever seen in any level. Um, I I don't know. What are your your thoughts about this? It's truly the end of an era. Do you want to hear a crazy stat on this one? This is this is absolutely bonkers. Um, Nick Saban has had uh, where where did it go? Nick Saban has had more players drafted in the first round than losses in at Alabama. <laughs> Forty four players drafted in the first round to twenty nine losses at Alabama. That's stupid. Absolutely stupid. Um, <laughs> I okay. So looking at what. People were leaving for Coach Saban. There were some crazy things getting left. And there were a lot of oatmeal cream pies. I was totally unaware of this story. Um, maybe you knew about it and I didn't. And I just am hopping on the train late. But this, no is, this is the most like perfect, hilarious football guy story that I have ever seen. I'm excited to hear this. Um, this this was reported in, uh, let's see. I guess it was reported in 2023. It must have been reported before that as well, too. But this is according to um, 
Oh, no. Yeah, no. He said this in 2023 on the Pat McAfee show. I get up every day. This is a quote from Nick Saban. I get up every day. I let the dog out. I have a cup of coffee. I get two Little Debbie oatmeal cream pies. That's how I start. Nick Saban every single day eats two Little Debbie oatmeal cream pies for breakfast. Are you (laughs) – what? That's incredible. I, I, that that's amazing so that is the first thing i want to share second of all nick saban he's kind of like that enemy that you hated but you needed right yep. you needed a character to hate in football and you respected him because nick saban you know sec cheats whatever you know if you're not cheating you're not trying college football's motto you know mm-hmm. but nick saban the way he went about things was always top class he was an incredible coach, did incredible things. I still remember, you know, I, I don't remember exact quotes from it, but I remember the speech that he gave one time when people were talking about why he had people that had committed crimes on his team and why he was bringing people on that had maybe made some mistakes. And he said, well, where do you want these players? Do you want these guys on the streets getting into more bad things? Or do you want me to have them in a program where I can teach them discipline? And he brought up a guy that he had taken off the streets who had committed, you know, egregious crimes that had, you know, hurt people that had done things, but was able to turn his entire life around, played 14 years in the NFL, is now the president of the company, has a kid, has, is married, has kids, like contributor to society now that he never would have been had he not been given the opportunity to use his talents in football. And Nick Saban recognized that. And of course, that success story isn't going to happen every time, but Nick Saban saw saw his players as more than just pieces on the chessboard, right? They weren't just football players. He treated them as his sons. That's what you hear from, you know, I don't think there's a single player that played under Nick Saban that will say that they hated him. They might've hated how hard they were on him, but they're appreciative of what he did. And words cannot describe the effect that he had on college football, the winning mindset that he brought, the, he completely transformed the game by ushering that era of dominance. So nothing but respect for coach Saban. You know, it's, it's a bittersweet feeling seeing him go, you know, maybe this will end Alabama's dominance. Good. But at the same time, down goes a villain that not now, now who do we hate Kirby smart? He didn't even make the playoff this year. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm totally with you. He's like, uh, he's like my kingpin. Um, If you've ever seen the daredevil shows, like, He's the villain that you you hate so much, but if they were ever like were gone, then you wouldn't know what to do with your life. Like it was mm-hmm. genuinely sad when I heard the news because, like you said, I I love Nick Saban. I I love to hate Nick Saban and and his dominance and his Alabama team. I respect the hell out of him. Like he was the pinnacle of six. Like he is the gold standard. He is the the example that if you want to be successful in life or in football, you epitomize him in every aspect. Um, The winning culture, the win at all costs, the pushing the sport to the boundaries. uh, It, Yeah, we truly could go on and on and on. But I just wanted to say that. I wanted to give my respect to Nick Saban. Um, As much as we hate him, I am very, very sad that he is gone. And college football is should be sad that he is gone because wow um it, he's the last of of the legends 
right? Now there's no more like old blood. I guess you could say Mac Brown, but he doesn't really count. He's at North Carolina no. winning six, yeah. seven games a year. Yeah, Nick he's Saban been senile. Is, yeah, exactly. Nick Saban was the last of this old era of college football. Now with the 12-team playoff, all the super conferences, like we are truly in a new era. It is a completely different ball game now. And that's kind of because of Nick Saban. But yeah, sad news, but also it – it is news, right? Like we are we are in a new era now. Everything is going to change. The power balance is completely upended. Um, it, there's a power vacuum now. Let's see who goes and and grabs the throne. You know, I who will it be? Who's going to replace him? I have no idea. Yeah, and something happened in conjunction with this that made me both very sad and very happy. Um, a while ago, right? And you'll remember this. I predicted on this podcast that Alabama's return to dominance would happen after Nick Saban retired. And the only person that could beat Kirby smart was a former assistant that Dan Lanning was going to go to Alabama, beat Georgia, knock them off the throne. And Alabama was going to continue in dominance, right? Dan, Dan Lanning announced today that he's not going anywhere, that he wants to stay put at Oregon. He wants to build that program. He loves it. So I'm sad in the fact that my prediction that was almost true, there was a flight scheduled to go to Tuscaloosa, didn't come true. I am not a prophet. I am do not have any visions. Um, I am just a false prophet, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, if you will. And uh, <laughs> But I am really happy that Dan Lanning is staying because I really think that, you know, even though they're in the Big Ten now, I think what, when the West Coast is good at football, it's good for football. You know, you can keep more – of that West coast talent home on the West coast. It creates more parody in college football, which with the 12 team playoff can only create more fun and more chaos. So shout out Dan Lanning for not taking the bait and shout out Justin for Wolf and sheep's clothing. <laughs> uh, both are equally good shout outs. Um, yeah. I love that Dan Lanning is staying. Uh, I think he would have been great at Alabama. He's probably the right guy, but the fact that he's staying there, right. I, he is probably going to become our next like favorite villain. I think um, yeah. hard not to root for him, but you hate him because he beats you all the time. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Ohio state does play at Oregon. Um, so that'll, that'll be interesting next year. Um, anywho, let's move on to college basketball because we kind of do have to talk about this. Uh, we started last, uh, we started last episode um, talking about BYU basketball, talking about, hey, um, starting the Big 12 era, right? What do we expect? We both said that we expect 500 or better because of how the team has looked. Um, we lost our first two games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The first one was at home to Cincinnati, not a great team. Um, we went from up 10 to down 10 and lost by 11. Uh, so that was not good. And then we went on the road to Baylor, actually played a closer game, but still ended up losing um, almost by double digits. We lost by nine, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know. After these first two games, what have kind of your like big picture takeaways? It, it, has your expectations changed for BYU basketball? Or is this kind of uh, an expected kind of onboarding process? So while it's true that we went 0-2, to understand where our future is going, we have to understand how both of these losses occurred. Um, first of all, I would like to issue a public apology. I bought tickets for the BYU-Cincinnati game and attended, 
BYU is now 0-2 in basketball games that I have attended this year, Cincinnati and Utah, so maybe I'm the jinx. But uh, shout-out Kansas for dispelling that jinx. Now maybe I'll be able to go to a game without thinking we only lose when I'm in attendance. <laughs> um, it, it was rough, right, because we lost. I have to drive home in a freaking blizzard going 20 miles an hour on the freeway the entire time. Yeah. Besides the point. How did the Cincy game start? Neither team could buy a bucket. We were winning. We were up by like nine or something like that at halftime. Nobody could make a shot except for Trevin Nell. That was freaking nine of 14 from three scoring 27 points. Looking like prime Jimmer out there. He (laughs) he looked like prime Jimmer going around screens off the dribble. He was popping. Didn't matter. Didn't matter how deep he was. Didn't matter how shallow he was. He was making buckets. And if he had to shoot a mid range, that thing was breaking off the glass. But as soon as he stepped behind the three point arc, boom, splash. Don't know how that happened. (laughs) The rest of the team did not step it up. Jackson Robinson struggled. Spencer Johnson struggled mightily. Dallin Hall couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. That that game was tough because we just got outclassed. We got out-physicaled. We got beat up. Uh, Were you able to catch this game, Jared? Were you able to see it, see see what was going on? Yes, I was also in attendance um, up in the uh, near rafters way up there. Um, it was bad. Trevin Nell was literally the only player on both teams that could make a bucket. Um, mm-hmm. BYU shot. Let me let me see. Make sure I get this right. Uh, so we shot twenty eight percent from three, but I think we shot forty five threes. Let's see, forty six. Mm-hmm. Forty six. Yeah. Okay. So that's like um forty. Yeah, thirteen of forty six. That's probably like two and a half games worth of threes. Um, it felt like. Uh, so it was like near the 12 minute mark, right? We went from the 12 minute mark to the three minute mark and we scored one bucket, two points over nine minutes. Uh, Trevin Nell left the game for seven minutes during that nine minute period. Um, just kind of an interesting note, right? You take out the only good scorer and we don't score. Um, I don't know. Hopefully Mark Pope noticed that as well. Uh, it, it just felt like our entire offense was just run around and then jack up a three. And Cincinnati was out rebounding us. They had like four or five guys or three or four guys like hitting the paint every single play. And we would have like six foot nothing Dallin Hall in the in the paint trying to get a rebound, right? Like it, it was bad. Like you said, they out physical us. Plus nine in rebounds, plus 28 in points in the paint and plus 14 free throw attempts. Also plus 14 free throw makes. Um, they were just being more physical. They were going to the rim. The refs are questionable, but I, I'm i still getting used to the whole basketball refs thing, right? I I don't know. It always takes me a while to kind of warm up to like, all right, what kind of physicality is allowed in this conference, in this sport, right, after football season? Um, I don't know. Like you said, it just felt like down the stretch, if we weren't hitting threes, which we weren't, like we had zero shot. And that's kind of how it played out. Yeah, honestly, it was kind of funny. People on Twitter during the game were like, wow, like I thought we left the WCC the way that these refs are refereeing the game. Fouls getting called left and right. Turns out on the staff was a WCC referee member. Um, Tony Mm -hmm. Padilla, the guy that everyone hates in the WCC, was also refereeing this game. So we can't even escape him. Don't know why. Um, Look, I don't care how many threes you shoot. I don't care how many threes you make. If you're getting outscored by 28 points in the paint, there is a 0% chance that you are winning a basketball game. 0% chance. Yep. We got out-physicaled. Foose came back for his first game in that Cincinnati game. Struggled. Couldn't play offense very well. 
we were getting beat up on defense. We were switching and it wasn't working. It, it was just bad overall. After that Cincinnati game, I was honestly worried that things were going to be terrible from here on out. The Baylor game, we lost, but that changed my mindset a little bit. Now, now Jared, I was, I was, you, weren't, you yeah. weren't able to catch this game, right? Yes, I, I was working, so I wasn't able to catch this game. But I noticed a couple things from the, from the box score. I was checking the score. It felt like we were pretty close. But I want to I want to get your take on it because, I mean, aside from the horrible camera angle that I was seeing and all the like highlights, uh, it seemed like it was a decent game for most of it. Yeah, the entire game was incredible. I mean, the, it was back and forth, back and forth for most of the game. It was a five point game either direction. There was something crazy like seventeen lead changes and nine ties. It was wow. just it was going back and forth the entire game. Baylor would punch us. We would punch them back and forth. And at the end of the second half, we were up by six or eight points. It, it was incredible at the end of the first half. Jackson Robinson got an and one with 0.1 seconds left in the first half. Woo! We were right in a high, right? And this game was completely different. You know, we were score, we were outscored by Cincinnati by 28 points in the paint. Mm. Baylor is one of the premier, premier points in the paints teams in the country. We outscored them by 12 points in the paint. We scored 34 points in the paint. Wow. 11 three throws, right? So that's 45 points. Less than, what is that? 40% of our points came from the three-point line, which isn't normal for this BYU team. Right. So that was incredible. We were being physical. We out-rebounded them. We scored more points in the paint. However, one thing that we really struggled with was fouls. Honestly, let let me ask you this, Jared. I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. You having not been able to watch the game. Yeah. We had three three big men consistently play in the game. Foose, okay. Atiki, and a Khalifa all played consistently. Okay. Against Baylor's athletic guards. Yeah. And tall, wide, strong big men. Yep. Which of those three do you think was the best defender? Uh, I'm going to go with Atiki. Yeah. You'd be surprised to find out it was Ali Khalifa. Um, big Khalifa, Chungus? who literally big Chungus, who literally has bricks for feet. Um, <laughs> angel hands can pass anywhere, but bricks Ooh. for feet. He was staying in front of guys, he was wow. playing perfect rim defense. He wasn't blocked. He, I think he, he did block two shots or something like that as well. Okay, he wasn't going like crazy swatting there, but he was just perfect positioning, right? Okay, at the start of the I think it was at the start of the second half, three fouls were called on him. In like one minute and 30 seconds. Oh my gosh. It was just total turnaround, right? And at that point, we had four people in foul trouble. Four people with three fouls at the beginning of the first half. Oh, geez. Baylor attempted twice as many free throws as us the entire game. And normally, right, you can chalk that up to BYU was just chucking up threes the entire game, right? right? But that's not how it was. We only attempted one more three than Baylor. And we scored 12 more points in the paint. Yet somehow... They were getting all those calls. We weren't. You can say that Baylor has the respect of the league, right? BYU's just getting it. But there was definitely some questionable officiating. Mark Pope thought so as well. Because we lost by nine, right? But we were only down by five late. And we trapped them at half court. And it was the most obvious jump ball you've seen in your life. Like, that was textbook definition jump ball. Hand on ball. Yet... Baylor, call, the refs call a foul 
on us. Ah. Two free throws for Baylor because they're on the double bonus. And they had been in the double bonus for like eight minutes. Mark Pope gets pissed, grabs the Dazani water bottle, and smashes it to where like Greg Rebell and Mark Durant are taking a freaking shower over there. Like it's <laughs> absolutely hilarious. And technical foul, they get two more free throws. There's the four points. Ends up being a nine-point victory instead of five. Thing. Now, let me tell you this, Jared. Am I upset that Mark Pope got that technical foul at the end? Hell no, I'm not. I am pumped that we have a coach that cares enough to throw things. Yes. My, one of my favorite memories from Dark from from Dark from Coach Rose, right, is him taking off his jacket and chucking it. Right. <laughs> like there, there was another story that uh, Jonathan Tavanari shared from, of him when he like knocked over like Gatorades or like a Gatorade cooler or something when things weren't <laughs> going well against an inferior team. Like it's nice when you have coaches that have fire because they care and they instill that fire in their players and then they can play with heart. And that's what you need in this league, right? This league is physical. You can't get by on. We're just happy, good, golly, good boy missionaries here. Like you can like, you can't get by on that in this league. So I was excited to see that. Were you able to see the shower that Greg Rebell took? I did. It was hilarious. It looked like they were kind of laughing too. They were like, whoa. <laughs> the funniest part is Mark Pope turning around after the technical is called water all in his face because it exploded in his face. And you can see him trying not to laugh, but he's <laughs> mad and like laughing at the same time. He's just like, <laughs> like having an aneurysm trying not to laugh. <laughs> That is awesome. Yeah. Um, all-time, all-time moment. Uh, it, I think it's the first time that I've seen one of our coaches do something like that across any sport. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am glad that Mark Pope showed that because I was kind of worried. Like, I felt like we were going to get hosed at the end of the Cincinnati game, and he was just like, meh. So I'm glad that he did show that fire. Like, hey, I'm not okay with this. Like, I'm going to go to bat for my guys, right? I'm going to go fight for them. Um the the fouls that's all i heard on twitter all all i heard about was how bad the refs were like i said i didn't watch but the foul count was plus 8 in favor of baylor right like you said they shot a bajillion more free throws than us um 14 more free throws than us again um i also did see that we had 14 turnovers to baylor's 5 mm -hmm. was that kind of a was that a recurring problem like kind of like a last year kind of thing or was that also i don't know in part because of the fouls it was kind of like kind of in spurts, right? BYU had this weird thing where we would be perfect for five possessions and then turn it over four straight possessions, then be perfect for five possessions, then turn it. It, it was kind of like a weird swing thing, right? It, it, it sucks too, like when our really only like true full court ball handler is Dallin Hall, and yeah. he only uses the same few moves, turned it over a couple of times. Jackson Robinson brought it up the court a few times, but that's not his strong suit, right? That's not where he wants to be. Not, you you wish you had Dawson Baker or someone like that that was able to bring it up the court, but we just learned today that Dawson Baker is likely out for the rest of the season is going to need surgery on his foot again. Oh. Like, that's not good as well. So I don't think you that was as much of an like issue. Quez Glover? Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll never <laughs> find out. Uh, <laughs> the main thing was we scored more field goals than Baylor at their place. They scored 25. We scored 26. Yeah. The difference was free throws. And a lot of the difference was free throw shooting. Now, I can't say that BYU was terrible, right? We went 11 of 14 from the line. That's that is not pretty bad. good. That's pretty dang good, right? 
But then you take into account that those three misses were the final three attempts that BYU oh. shot. Boos missed two, and Trevenel missed the front end of a one and one. Oh, like, so that's so that's four points left on the board. That's, that's that's four points when you were only down five before that technical, right? Yeah, that's rough. It totally flips the game if you make those. <sighs> so that kind of sucks. BYU has had this problem. You saw it in the Cincinnati game and the Baylor game. Get out to a lead. You're leading by halftime. Even into the first bit of the first half, you're ahead. But then the final five to eight minutes of the game, you can't make a shot. You just lay an egg. Jackson Robinson's been struggling. Spencer Johnson did a lot better this game, but he struggled late as well. It seemed like BYU could either do a layup or a three-pointer. But, Jared, if, if you go back and watch the tape, you'll find this hilarious. I can think of at least three separate instances where BYU guys drove, kind of went for a floater, and they got stuck in, do I want to bank it or do I want to just shoot it? And just hucked it off the backboard Caleb Lohner style. Like, <laughs> Caleb Lohner was in their head. Like, I kid you not. They were the worst hucks off the backboard that I've ever seen. Ugh. BYU needs to find a way to finish. They need to find a way to score late. Jackson Robinson needs to be that guy. Spencer Johnson needs to be that guy. Trevin, we have guys that can score on our team. Somebody just needs to pick it up in the last eight minutes of the game. Yeah, Jackson Robinson, three of 12, one of six from three. That's not good enough, bro. I'm sorry. I did, Ten points, I don't care. Like, he is supposed to be our big guy, our scoring threat right like he's supposed to be our go-to we need a bucket I we need more from Jackson and you know maybe it is time to put him in the starting lineup I don't know I and I, and I guess one more thing before we spin it forward um because that's what I was gonna do but I do want to mention this uh Caleb Lohner played a solid three minutes O of one field goals it was a three-pointer and he missed and he also shot a free throw and missed uh zero to his credit Oh, yes. To his credit, that three-pointer was a buzzer beater that he caught on a full-court pass, then turned around and shot, and it hit the rim. Oh! See, to that's new. It, hitting the rim is new. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's safe to say we won the trade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. That even makes it funnier that his only field goal attempt was like some last-second huck it up. That's so funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's awesome um anyway let's spin it forward now because i ucf on saturday they just beat kansas like they yeah. just beat the number what were they number three i think at the time number three, yeah, number three in the country storm the court now i asked you guys i was like is this good news or bad news and dan said it's bad news right because ucf was supposed to be the worst team in the league and they just beat kansas Again, proving the versatility and just the volatility, both versatility and volatility of this league. But also, it could be good news, as you pointed out. Maybe do we catch them in a little bit of a lull, a little bit of a hangover game? It is at UCF, and I think it's kind of a must win for us. Like, we kind of need this win. I mean, if you look at our schedule, we have Iowa State. Granted, it's at home, but we have Iowa State next week who is a great, great team, 12-3, uh, and three, just like us, 1-1 one one in the Big 12. And then after them, we go on a little a little run of at Texas Tech, home versus Houston, home versus Texas. So if we don't win this UCF game, 
we're going to have to pull a big time upset if we want to not start. What is that? Oh, and seven in conference play. Like, I, I don't know. I'm getting the feeling this is a must win here. Yeah. And you know, Cincinnati at home to open up, it didn't feel like a gimme. Right. But it felt like a, a winnable game. It felt like oh, that totally. was one of the W that was one of the W's you had written on the schedule, right? Totally. You needed that. We didn't get it. So now BYU is going to have to produce wins elsewhere. You also thought this UCF game was kind of a cupcake game. Not anymore. They just beat Kansas number three. You, you can't have an off day in the big 12, right? That same day that we lost to Baylor at the same time, um, Cincinnati took uh, number 25 Texas to the very last shot. Um, you had other teams that were when Iowa State almost beat Baylor the week before uh, we played them. And then you have TCU unranked who beat number nine Oklahoma by nine points as well. The Big 12 is a gauntlet. That's something we're just going to have to get used to. But you're right. It does feel like a must win because if we go 0-3 in league, that, that that's not how you want to start, right? Because you have all of this momentum from starting out 13-1 or whatever it was just to fall off the face of the earth. Two losses, you can already start to feel the fan base going, okay, what's happening? There's the squad versus fraud guy on Twitter that already has his needle moved back into <laughs> halfway territory. You know, if you lose this game, I think you lose the fan base. And you lose some of the energy, you lose some of the juice. If BYU wants to make this season magical and wants to do what they've been projected to do since they started – on this winning tear, they have to win this game. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a must-win. I totally agree. I 100% agree it is a must-win. Um, I like what you said about losing the fan base because I feel like right now we're still kind of in the, ah, we're getting hosed, or ah, we're just unlucky, right? But if we lose at UCF and then we go on to lose three of the next four, we're going to – we are definitely going to – everyone is going to be in like, it was just a cupcake schedule. We're right back to square one, right? That's what we get for playing Denver and Evansville and Mount St. Mary's of St. Helens College for the choir, right? That That's mm -hmm. what's going to happen if we start losing all of these games, especially if we can't even, like, keep one close, you know, as far as, far as the box score says. I don't know. I think BOU can win on, on Saturday. I think we will win. I think UCF is going to have a major letdown spot. Um, I know that BYU would, right? <laughs> if we're being honest, if BYU went out and beat somebody good, we would have a letdown the very next game. Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of I'm oh, yeah. kind of banking on that. Um I don't know. I as far as the Iowa State game goes on Tuesday, I think that one completely depends on how the game on Saturday goes, right? If we win, I think there's a chance we could beat Iowa State, get it back on track. If we lose to UCF, especially if it's not close, we just get worked we're going to get absolutely dog-walked by Iowa State. So I think this UCF game is really – it's the crux in these next couple. We really need that momentum going because we play two top 25 teams um, in our next four games. Uh, we, we, we need to come back home with a win, uh, with momentum, with the fan base, like you said. Um, I, like, like we've been saying, it is a must win. And I think it's the – kind of like I said, it is the crux of – of where we're kind of deciding where we want the the season to be heading right now. Yeah, honestly, it feels like right now we, we were having fun doing donuts, right? 
we're spinning in circles, spinning in circles, but you're kind of at a point right now where you haven't lost control, but you can feel it that, you know, <laughs> if, if something doesn't change, you're going to lose control. I feel like if you win versus UCF, you get to recalibrate and you get to continue in that donut spin. But if you lose to UCF, boom, you hit that plaque, you hit that pack, that what, what that patch of black ice. You went sliding into the barrier. Your car is totaled. You're completely off the tracks at that point. So, like, like I was saying, like you were saying, this is a must win for BYU. Jackson Robinson needs to step up, have a big game. Spencer Johnson needs to continue to do better. Dallin Hall, all these guys need to clean up the turnovers. You know, we can't have double-digit turnovers in the Big 12 and expect to win these games. I just, this, this is a, even though UCF beat Kansas, this is a gettable game. And you have to get your gettable games. Yep. In the Big 12. Absolutely. Uh, let's let's raise some stakes, shall we? Um, we obviously both lost <laughs> with our Cincinnati raising the stakes. Uh, not good. Not 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 good. We are uh, over, I think, or I think you hit one right back in like November. I hit one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see if we can get a second one up there. Um, our cheese stick nose pictures will be posted by game time on Saturday. Neither of us, Correct. it turns out, actually have any cheese sticks, so we need to go get some. Um, mm-hmm. We were just so confident we were going to win. We didn't, you know, buy any, but, yeah, so we need to go get those. Um, what is your raising the stakes for this week? Ooh. I, man, I, dude, I, I thought of something. It was a little too risky, but okay. um, my, my raising the stakes, you know what, I'm, um, I'm going to do it. My raising the stakes is that in this game, Richie Saunders will have 10 or more points. Okay. Pop-off game Versus for a boy. Mm-hmm. Against UCF, right? That's what you said? Yes, against UCF. Mine is also for the UCF game. I'm saying that we are going to shoot more free throws than UCF will. Oh. I know. I know. We've been outshot by 14 our last two games. I think it's going to be a point of emphasis in practice. I think Mark Pope is going to make a point of it in the media. I think the Big 12 is going to take note. I I think things will work in our favor, and I think that's kind of a way to win. We need to say, hey, we can play big boy ball too. We're not some, like the PMT guys say, we're not some candy-ass uniforms that can only play one style of football, right? We need to prove we mm-hmm. can we can go down low with the big boys and ball. Um, so I'm thinking we put a point of emphasis on that. We're going to shoot more free throws than UCF will. Yeah. You know, Jared, yours is really risky. Um, I feel like mine is kind of risky, risky, but also has some precedent to it. Jared, I wish you the best of luck. Um, (laughs) what is our punishment going to be this week for our raising the stakes? That's a good question. Um, should we, uh, open it up to the fans? Should we ask them on the We shall phone? open it up to the fans. Let's we let's will. open it up to the fans on the gram, see what they say, and then we'll pick our favorite one and we'll let you know next episode. Tell you what, I'll do you one better. Everyone, I'm going to post a question. I'm going to leave this live until Saturday un- until Saturday, like Friday when Friday turns to Saturday on midnight, right? Okay. I'm going to say, you know, what should the punishment be? I will take the f- best three, and they will be voted upon by the fans. Ooh, I like that. I like that. So make sure that you're 
responding to our Instagram story at loyal to Royal pod on Instagram so that you can make us do whatever embarrassing, funny, whatever thing that you want, whatever you do, we commit to making the punishment happen. If we lose, we yes, can 100%. We are both in. Um, I'm excited to see what the fans will be up to. Um, I'm also very nervous. I think they can get a little raucous sometimes. It should be fun. <laughs> it should be. It'll, it'll be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun. Um, lastly, before we get out of here, we should mention there is still football going on. It is not mm-hmm. college football, but it is football. Kind of it's football. The, it is the no fun league. Uh, the playoffs actually start on Saturday. Um I know a couple things, but I'm going to be honest. I know next to nothing about the NFL this year. I have barely followed the players I like, as in all the BYU players. I know Puka should be rookie of the year. He's a baller. Shout out for breaking the rookie receiving record. Um, But after that, I really don't know much. So I say we do some very informed and prepared picks for this weekend. Yeah? Maybe we throw a little Super Bowl sprinkle in there. Home? Okay. Let's do it. Um, first of all, do you even know who's in the NFL playoffs? Cause I, um, I know the Texans are cause CJ Stroud. Um, I know the Jets the Lions. are not, um, yeah, the Jets are not, let's see the chiefs, obviously probably the bills, probably the dolphins, right? The dolphins like one by 70 or something earlier in the year. Uh, yeah, they've oh, been the good. Ravens. They've been good. The Ravens are good this year. Uh, and Harbaugh. the Niners. I, I'm obviously missing like probably 10 teams. Um, <laughs> Jared, get, guess who's in the playoffs? I, um, the Cleveland Browns. The Browns? They made the playoffs? Joe, yeah, Joe Flacco took over the team and they've like been on a tear ever since. Flacco's like five and one or something like that. Flacco. Didn't he used to play for the Ravens? Like the quote yeah. rival of the Browns? That's yeah, hilarious. yeah. That Flacco won a Super Bowl there. Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, so the Browns are in. Um, are the Eagles in? I know they were struggling late in this year. They are. Um, this is fun. Let's see. I'm gonna look it All up. All right. Okay. I'm gonna I'll let you know the, the first game. Ready? You you ready to start with the NFC? Yep. I don't know the conferences. That Eagles and the Buccaneers will be facing off. Uh Buccaneers, what? I think, is Baker Mayfield. Okay. Resurgence of the Baker. Yeah. So uh who do you who do you got? You got your Baker Mayfield or you got your uh, Jalen Hurts Tush Bush? I'm going to go Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I think he's a dog. To. Mm-hmm. He's going to be grabbing his crotch on the sideline, looking at the opposing sideline, as only Baker Mayfield can do. Oh, yeah. Ex-Browns player. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What's the next game? We got the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Detroit to play the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford returning to Detroit to take on his former team. I didn't even know that the Rams were in the playoffs. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Shout out Puka. We get to watch Puka. Pretty sick, huh? 
Um, I'm taking the Rams. What are what about you? I didn't hear your pick for the other one. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I like Jason Kelsey. Uh, so let's go with uh, Eagles. Okay, I respect that. And then Lions, uh, Rams. Dude, I I'm super torn on this one. Matthew Stafford brought happiness to the Lions franchise for so long. You know, I think did they make the playoffs once with Stafford? I think they did, maybe once. I don't know. Zero but idea. um, Matthew Stafford now gets the chance to crush Detroit's hopes and dreams on another team. I think that's that's just written in stone. Matthew Stafford's gonna win this game. Detroit loses. I'm sorry. I love Detroit. I love Dan Campbell. I really do. But if they would have kept Jamal Williams, they would have won, but they didn't. So go Puka. Yeah, that's true. Always Puka. Always Puka. Uh, what's the next one? You got um the freaking uh, Packers. Oh. Jordan Love. Jordan traveling Love. to Dallas. It appears. Okay. Cowboys. I forgot about them. Um. So. I don't know. I'm going to go with the Cowboys just because I went to a Cowboys game this year and it was kind of fun. So go Cowboys. Also, Jacob is a Cowboys fan and all of his friends are. So yeah, go Cowboys, I guess. Fair enough. Um, Growing up in California, I was always raised to hate the Cowboys. So okay. uh, go Packers. Um, Jordan Love, baby. Packers might win this one. And then you have the, the number one seed who has a bye, the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, that's right. They do the weird, it's like seven teams, right, with a bye. That's so weird. So weird. Yeah, it's kind of funky, but oh well. All right, ready to move on to the AFC? Yes, sir. Are the, are the Ravens the one seed in this one? I think I heard that. They are. Yeah, okay. They are the one seed. They have the bye. In the first game, you have the Browns, your former team that you disowned after they hired a sex offender for quarterback. Yep. Um taking on the Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud. So oh, easy. battle of the internal Jared here. You have his former team and a former Ohio State quarterback. Uh, definitely go with C.J. Um, I hate the Browns now. Uh, the, the, no excuse for hiring a, hiring, hiring a sexual predator to play quarterback. Um, and and C.J. is just a baller. He's a freaking baller. So I'm very excited for that one, actually. Browns-Texans. I have a lot of rooting interest in that one. Yeah, dude. I'm honestly, I I don't like that the Browns went with Deshaun Watson, but I love the fact that they went with Joe Flacco. I can never cheer against Joe Flacco, no matter what team he's on. That card trumps the I hate the Browns card. So give me Joe Flacco in this one. How old is Joe Flacco? He is 38 years old. That's that's pretty old. That's an old fogey. <laughs> yes, he is. He's balling. All right. I respect that. I respect that. Next up, we have a controversial game. Um, yeah, like Maybe not that like controversial, whatever. But uh, you have the uh, Miami Dolphins traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill going to play his former team. Ah. Now, in Kansas City, it's going to be something like, like three degrees at kickoff with a bunch of like snow and crap. It's going oh. to be a terrible, terrible weather game. So, uh, Jared, who do you got? Reek um, or the other team? This is a good question. I think 
I think I'm going to go with uh, Kansas City because Taylor Swift, obviously, but also mm. the Dolphins are from Miami. Miami doesn't – it doesn't get, like, below 70 degrees there. There's no chance they're prepared to play in, like, four-degree weather. Um, yeah, no no chance. Uh, when is this game? Is it Saturday or Sunday? Uh, I don't know. It's um one of those days. Because on Sunday, it's supposed to be zero degrees. Um, that's the high. The low is negative 10. Um, Gosh dang. So it's going to be fetching cold. Um, yeah. yeah I'm it's on Peacock. Going, it'll be on Peacock. Oh, that's right. Only on Peacock. That's right, because all the Swifties are mad because it's paywalled. That's so stupid. Mm-hmm. What? I don't know. Yeah. It, the NFL is finally getting a taste of what broadcast partners do to your sport. Welcome to the party, stupid I guess. Stupid dumb dumb. Stupid dumb dumb. Stupid dumb dumb. Uh yeah. is there one more game or is that it? There is one more game. It's also another game that's going to be in negative temperatures and a massive snowstorm. The Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Buffalo to take on oh, the Bills geez. and Josh Allen. Buffalo in freaking January? That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely going with Buffalo in that one. Uh, again, cold weather teams all the way, baby. An SET mm-hmm. team would never win a home playoff game at a Big Ten school in December, January. Sorry, that's just not happening. Give me the no, home. It's not going to happen. And you got Josh Allen that played football in Wyoming. Exactly. So, he knows exactly what this is about. Exactly. He knows 100% of it. Uh, that was a good little uh, NFL preview we just did there. We, we yeah, obviously All of our perfect knowledge. Yes, we know a lot about this sport. We follow it very avidly. Very excited to watch it on Peacock and all of those channels. Um, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> um I don't know. I got nothing else, Justin. Unless you got any parting thoughts, mm-hmm. let's get out of here. The fans are probably sick of hearing us talk. Uh, one last question for you, Jared. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Um, the Texans, baby. The Texans. The Texans. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going with uh, the 49ers. The 49ers are going to win it all this year. Fred Warner getting his ring. Oh, I actually would like that. Texans, 49ers. Can that happen? Or are they the same? That conference? can happen. No, okay. yep, different conferences. That's what we're rooting for then. 49ers, Texans. Let's go, baby. <laughs> That's it for me, Jared. Anything from you? No, sir. Uh, BYU basketball must win. I think it's a must watch mm-hmm. for fans, too. Um, I think it's on ESPN Plus, though, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that's not very good. Um, but yeah, yes, it is on ESPN Plus. Whoop de doo. Um, anyway, uh, please let us know on the Instagram comments what you want us to do for raising stakes. And then vote on your favorite punishment because uh, odds are we will both be doing it. So, uh, yeah, make sure you get that in there. <laughs> yeah, guys. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever you may be listening to us on. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Goodbye now. Mwah.